TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. The Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima. A lot of people are agreeing with me. Bash ball from the Bachelorette needs to be a professional sport. I don't think they have to wear those uniforms, those singlets. But oh, they should. I don't know. If we that. can have the lingerie football league, yeah, get out there. Come on. Let's get some beefcake you're out there in the gonna, field. You're just going to objectify these, yeah. these young men? Yes, I am. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. They'll be paid enough, and that's perfectly fine. Go wear it. Go put it on. You're telling me those guys didn't feel sexy in that? Look at me. I'd feel sexy in that. Jason Lloyd. Jason Lloyd. Jason Lloyd feels sexy in a lot of things. Hello. Wouldn't have to worry about pit stains. What is wrong with you guys? What's wrong with you and your pit stains? I'm worried about your health. I'm sweating profusely and guzzling coffee as we speak. Hey, it was really hot that day. What do you want from me? Whatever. It was really hot in there. You look like Jimmy Nomura being deposed when I see you on for <laughs> Bruce Trennan. <laughs> oh, why do I keep coming on and subjecting myself to this? I don't know, Jason. Why? You brought it on yourself. Yeah. So, so, so Ken texted me yesterday and says, can you come on? And I didn't trust him. Like, that's where we're at in our relationship, even in private text. What did I say? What's the catch? You don't ever text me and ask me on. I thought I was walking into a trap. I love how I'm that much of an unpredictable person that that's the first (laughs) thing you think. (laughs) What What? am I walking into now? What am I getting myself into? Let me me ask you this. What's Deli's legacy in Cleveland? Being carried off on a stretcher with an IV, probably. (laughs) I mean, honestly. Right? That's it? That's it? I mean, mean, okay, so you know what's funny is my mom absolutely loves Matthew Delavadova. It is like her favorite Cavs player of all time because he's scrappy and hustles and plays so hard. And, and like, he, she, my mom just loves Delhi. It's it, When I was on the beat, that's all I heard for all those years is how much my mom loved Matthew Delavadova. I mean, listen, he was, he, he filled a role. Uh, he, I go back to when they drafted him. And, or, I'm sorry, when, when they signed him after the draft, he was an undrafted free agent. I was talking to Mike Brown about it, and Mike's like, man, we had him in for a workout, and they are playing three-on-three, three, and his team won every single time. So then they switched up the teams, and his team won every single time. And he said by the end of the workout, like, these are some big-time draft prospects that were, you know, actually drafted. And he said by the end of the workout, everyone was looking at Delhi and taking direction from Delhi, and, and, sh- and he was showing everyone where to go and what to do. He's just – he's a player that everyone wants on their team. He keeps his mouth shut. He plays hard. He does his job. And, you know, is he the most talented guy in the room? Absolutely not. But he got every ounce that he could out of his talent, and, you know, I wish him all the best. He, I'm surprised. I thought he'd retire. I'm surprised he's, he's going to continue playing. But, uh, you know, I wish him all the best as he goes. Lima got very agitated. Nor, uh, Jason Lloyd appearing on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline, by the way. Um, Lima got annoyed because so many people loved Delhi and it just became a big, why, don't this, why doesn't everybody love LeBron thing? And people started calling it, well, why doesn't everybody? Listen, I, I don't know how else to say it. Jason, I, I, I think you'll agree. Let me run this take by you. 
LeBron's accomplished so much, he continues to accomplish so much, and also is not just a basketball player anymore, that yes, he's become vilified, reviled in some corners, and is also beloved. I think he's the most beloved and the most hated Cleveland athlete. Uh, I don't think he's the most hated Cleveland athlete. No, I don't. Who's I don't the most hated Cleveland athlete then? Of all time? Yes. Jose Mesa. He's quick with that one. I think a lot of people hate LeBron more than Jose Mason. <laughs> it might have been Biner, but Biner has come back and done so much good and right. has been a part I, of the I community. And he's at owned it. it. Yeah, at one time it probably was Biner. Uh, Jose Mason no, never came back. <laughs> I, I, don't I don't think anybody I wants Jose Mason. I don't think LeBron is the most hated Cleveland athlete of all time. I, I, I completely disagree. I think that. he is. I think, I think there's, there's that many people who love him. I think that many people hate him. I really do. Oh, there's people, there's people who hate him. No doubt about it. There's people, but he brought Cleveland a championship. How can you be the most hated athlete of all time when you are the number one player most responsible for the championship? Yeah. And I know Kyrie hit the three, but LeBron is the player most responsible for that championship. Let's not get that confused. I am a LeBron fan. We're all, that's a show stance. Lyman and I, I don't know about on, but at least Lyman and I, we are, we are LeBron fans. I love LeBron. But I root against, I do root against him when he's not on the And I don't. I don't root against him. See, that's the difference. But I also, I think I can explain that, yeah, you left twice. You've now dabbled in politics, which I don't care about these type of things, but people do. People who call sure. us do. I mean, gosh, Jason, we had a guy call us up and, about the school the day he built the school saying that, well, LeBron's not driving over the drywall. Not laying the bricks for the school. Like people don't like. There are people who absolutely love and adore him for what he's done, and then there's people who really dislike him. Matt Delavadova has just been a basketball player and gives a gives a thumbs up and drinks a Corona. And, and I think people see themselves in Matthew Delavadova. The only chance, the only reason he got a chance in the NBA is because the Cavs were so terrible. Yeah, I mean you're comparing a Porsche and a Honda, so it's not really a fair comparison. <laughs> I don't think Milwaukee loves Matthew Delavadova as much as Cleveland does. Milwaukee's the one that gave him that contract. And, and Milwaukee fans look at that contract as an absolute disaster and embarrassment, and they had to get off of it and send them back here. So it's all about your perception. Uh, you know, Delhi in the right system is a fine player. He, he had a couple of really good years because LeBron draws so much attention. He just had his, his role, Delhi's role, is to stand there and make an open three-pointer, catch and shoot three. And he had a couple of really good shooting years. But when you ask him to create and do things on his own, he can't do it. Like he just, he just wasn't skilled enough to do it. So I, I think that's a ridiculous comparison. First of all, when you look at what was asked of them, when you look at their role in history and, and the hierarchy, the bigger you get, the more detractors you're going to have. That's just common sense. But the, when, when you're a role player, everyone loves you. It's like the backup quarterback thing. Jason Lloyd with us on the hotline. Some rumors floating around that this number one pick could be taken. Could uh, other teams could move up, and the Cavs could be one of those teams. Uh, I don't necessarily understand it. Ken loves it. What do you think? I don't understand it from Detroit's perspective. Why would you go to three? If there's, you know, if, if Detroit doesn't love Cade Cunningham, which I still think Detroit's going to stay right where they are, and they're going to take Cade, I think this is probably just trying to drum up interest to see if they can get a crazy offer. Um, you know, if you if you really want someone other than Cade, if you want Jalen Green for whatever reason, or Evan Mobley or one of these guys, why would you go to three and risk the guy you really want not being there? That's I, I've never understood that. So if, if Detroit does trade out of it, I would suspect it'll be with Houston. And Houston and, and Detroit flip-flop one and two. And maybe Detroit gets a future one or a couple picks or something like that. But I, I 
would the Cavs like to go to one? Yeah, of course. Sure. Of course you're going to make that call. And of course you're going to have that conversation. You're going to try and get up there. I just, I just don't understand it from Detroit's perspective. I'd be really surprised if Detroit fell anywhere beyond two. My whole thought was, let me just go by what the Cavs say, and they have their core four, what they call them. And if you have your core four, then yeah, go for the gusto. Go to number one. I agree with you about Detroit. Um, it's, a, it's a chance to change your franchise, chance to see how you're seen, especially sell some tickets, for crying out loud. I don't know why they'd go down. I'd, I'd question whether or not they'd even go down. I think it's different in that case than it is in the NFL. Like, there's always conversation about there, but usually you would just take your number one pick and you would move on. Yeah, the NBA, how often is the number one pick traded prior to the draft? Very, 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 very rarely. You know, mm-hmm. Philly and Boston did it a couple of years ago. Prior to that, it was the Chris Webber trade, right? I'm doing this off the top of my head. Chris Webber trade when they already had Shaq and they moved out of one, I think – if I'm not screwing up history, it, it just doesn't happen very often. You're always going to pretend that you're going to listen on offers and you're going to throw out some of these lines and these stories. You're going you're to plant some of these things to try and drum up interest to see, you know, what you can get for it. That's just good GMing. But ultimately, by the time it comes down to the draft, I would be really surprised if it's any team other than Detroit making the number one pick. I see a lot of analysts and I see a lot of Cavs fans saying, Hey, you could sit there at number three, and if Evan Mobley just falls there, you get him. I actually, I uh, this will be no surprise uh, with Cavs fans. I always bicker. I actually think Evan Mobley. I think he's going to be good, but he he would be my fourth selection. I'd actually rather have Jalen Suggs, who I think is better than both our guards and will be better. Uh, I love Jalen Green. I think he is just slightly below Kate Cunningham at this point. Where are you right now as you look at those players the Cavs could get? So I'm not going to pretend that I'm an NBA draft scout guy, but I, I, especially this year, I've started to, you know, call some old contacts and try and get a gauge on these four guys. And I just tell you what the consensus that I've gotten from talking to people around the league is they're, they're really high on Mobley, really high on Mobley. I've heard Mobley is like, you know, another Anthony, excuse me, another Anthony Davis type and a guy who could play alongside Drummond with no problem. I'm sorry, not Drummond. Jared Allen with no problem. Kevin Love with no problem. Larry Nance, he just sort of fits everywhere. He's a guy who's going to add range to his, to his game, to his shot. Uh, he's, he's a big, and we all know that bigs lack quite the importance that they did you know, 10, 15 years ago, but he's one of those versatile bigs. I mean, I think anyone would take Anthony Davis on their team. He could stay healthy. And, and that's the, the comp that I keep getting back on Mobley. Uh, Suggs. You know, I had one scout tell me he thought Suggs' game was a little overrated in terms of, like, physical skills, but the human element is, like, that's what you win with. You win with a guy like, like Jalen Suggs. Even if the skill might be a little bit overrated, it's, it's the guy that he is. It's the, it's the human factor, the intangibles that teams just love about him. Uh, and Jalen Green, yeah, Jalen's a, a pure scorer. And, and really, I don't think it was size in, in an all-around game. And I don't think the Cavs could go wrong with any of those four, actually. Like, I think it's, uh, you know, Kaminga has been sort of thrown into that as well. But I, I think it's a four-player draft. And I think that's where the drop-off is. And so, obviously, it's a good place to be for the Cavs. They have the number three pick. And that's why I think it would be absolutely insane if they traded down. And I don't think that's a realistic option. Jason Lloyd with us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Who would you rather own the Indians, Paul Dolan or Dan Gilbert? Paul Dolan. That's quick. It's, no, it's not a thought. It's Paul Dolan. It's not even close. Bull and Fox Dan, talked about it yesterday. That's why I asked. What's that? 
Bull and Fox talked about it yesterday. Oh. That's why I ask. I mean, if Dan owns the team, Mike's gone, Chris is gone, and Terry's gone within a year. Like, I promise you, that's happening. And so what do you have? You have an owner who's going to spend more. There's no question about it. Dan's going to spend more. But all of the turnover and all of the chaos that you've seen in the camps for all those years is now going to go across the street. Is, are the Dolans the perfect owners? No, absolutely not. Ab- no. But they do everything right except spend, and that's a big component. That's a key component, obviously. I don't think the payroll is going to be where it is right now forever. I do think it's going to come up. Uh, I hope that it comes up with extensions for Jose and, and Shane. Like, that's step one to me is lock those guys up long-term again. You want an extension um, for Jose? Yeah. Because a lot of people are talking about the possibility, well, they were during the nine-game losing streak about maybe even they trading him. They are not trading Jose Ramirez. That is not I happening. didn't say I wanted it to happen. I was but just no, no, throwing no, a I question. Know, but, but I know. I've, I've heard it. Is too. he, Jason, is, is he part of their – but is he part of their window? It feels like, feels like he's not. And it feels like they could get a haul for the three-time All-Star with a very, very team-friendly deal. But here's the thing. Like, their window is going to open again really soon. So, yeah, I think he is part of it because this is not – you know, I was just – I was at the game last night, actually. I was at the Indians game last night, and we were having this conversation uh, with somebody from the organization about who would you rather be, the Indians or the Orioles, the Indians or the Tigers? Like, the Indians are so much better positioned – right now than those teams who have gone through these long, deep rebuilds, the Indians are the Royals. Like, you know, you would take the Indians farm system and roster every time over all those other teams. Like this is probably, I said last night, this is probably rock bottom for in terms of record and payroll and where things are right now. Like it's not going to get worse from here. This is their quote unquote rebuild. And it's not that bad when you consider where they're at, the injuries that they've had, where they are in the standings, their win loss record. Like, there's teams, the way they rebuild, they go 60 and 100 for two or three or four years in a row. The Indians aren't doing that. And I just think, like, I'm still very bullish on this organization, where they're at, where they're going. I do think the, the payroll, like I said, is going to start climbing back up again. It's not going to be $130 million. You know, that, that's not, that's not going to happen. But it's not going to be where it is right now. Forever. Well, if it's never going to be 130, if it's never going to be 130 million again, as other payrolls tend to go up, then we're going to be still in the same problem. Well, I mean, you're going to be Tampa and and Oakland. Like that's who you're going to be under the Dolans. You're going to be a team probably with like a realistically a 90 to 100 million dollar payroll most years, and you're going to be constantly retooling. You know, you might be able to identify, like I said, Shane and, and Jose would be the guys that I would I would latch on to. And you're going to be able to identify a couple of guys that you can sign to long-term extensions. And then everyone else, yeah, you're going to go through this where as they get arbitration and as they get into big money, you're going to have to trade them. You're going to have to redo it all over again. But you don't see anyone complaining about Tampa. Tampa, Tampa's, in terms of payroll, you know, Tampa is probably more aggressive or worse or however you want to phrase it than the Indians are. Tampa will never have a payroll where Cleveland was a couple of years ago, but that doesn't stop them from being the best team in the, in the East and, and winning and going to the world series. So now the Indians obviously haven't been able to do that, but I'm just saying it can be done. It's just unbelievably difficult and it puts a ton of pressure on your front office and there's zero margin for error, but you know what? Chris and Mike obviously love it or love it enough to stay here and, and put up with that because of everything else that's good about this organization. 30 seconds. Should Sashi Brown get a ring if the Browns win the Super Bowl? No. 
Okay. And I and, and by the way, oh. I'm not like I'm not a big oh, Sashi not. hater by any means. Yeah, you are. But no, I'm not. But I mean, he hasn't been with the organization for years. Like, are you going to give Chris Grant a, a ring for the Cavs because he was the GM in 2014 and like if he tanked it out on purpose, together? maybe. If he tanked it on he purpose did. to put well, then did maybe he should have got a ring. Did you read the blueprint? Go read the blueprint. Tell you all about it. Who wrote that? If, uh, some really handsome, strapping young man. Who sweats if, like cold cuts on TV. If you ring, then you better get Chris Grant's ring size and go give Chris a ring, too. All right. Chris, thank or excuse me. Jason, thank you very much for the call. <laughs> Bye, boys. Bye. Jason Lloyd. At by Jason Lloyd on Twitter. On the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. I mean, do you agree? Does it feel like they're already on their way for the rebuild and that they're going to be good here in a year? Like, that's what it sounded like with Jason. I, I kind of don't feel that way. I feel like I don't know if they're going to bottom out the way the Orioles. and Well, that comes down to faith. I don't think they're going to bottom out. And I actually have faith in them, so I, I, I tend to agree with Jason. By, yes. by the way, bottoming out did work for the Cubs and the Astros. Because they did that. They not really working that. out for a couple other yeah. teams, though. Not really working out whatsoever. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.